Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Hopefully you're ready because we're going to kick off a brand new series today. My name is Colby. I'm the pastor here. If this is your first time checking out Elevate Church, uh, and we're going to kick off a series called Joy Jitsu. Yeah. And every time we say that word, you're going to hear the gong. Actually, we might not. That's going to get old real fast. So, But here's what I want to tell you before we even start. I need to give you a few disclaimers. One is, I'm going to make some broad generalizations uh, and references uh, about things that aren't technically accurate when it comes to karate and kung fu and ninja stuff. All right, I'll just throw that out there. So if you're that person, that guy or that girl that is going to get all bent out of shape, that I don't know the difference between karate and kung fu, which is different than tai chi, which is very different than chai tea, by the way, just so you know, (laughs) or you're going to get upset that I don't know that that Bruce Lee practiced, you know, Wang Chung clan, and that's that's very different than Wu-Tang clan, and that I don't know the difference between an axe hand or a crane kick. Listen, I might do more harm than good to your fragile martial arts mind, all right? So you might want to set this one out. However, man, if you want to learn how to have this deep sense of joy, no matter what you're facing, don't miss a week. Are you with me? Like, you commit to being here. We're going to go through through the four chapters in the book of Philippians. Every single week, we're going to take a chapter, and I believe God is going to meet us in this moment as we do. How many of you know that we often overlook what's obvious? We often overlook the thing that is right in front of us. How many of you remember the original Karate Kid movie? So I've already getting started on my references that might not be accurate. But the original Karate Kid movie was all about this guy named Daniel LaRusso who was getting his butt whooped at school and he wanted to learn karate and he found this guy named Mr. Miyagi who would teach him karate. He said, yeah, I'll teach you karate. And so he shows up and he doesn't teach him karate. What he has him do is like all of his chores, if you remember, has him wax the cars, has him sand the floors, has him paint the fence. All this time, he's not aware that he's developing some muscle memory in his life to actually be able to have karate, but he could never see it. And the same is true with us when it comes to the blessings that are right in front of us. That oftentimes we don't see what is obvious. Like the Bible says that we have been blessed in the the heavenly realms with all the the spiritual blessings, that we have these blessings, but it's difficult for us to, to see them. Maybe you've been blessed with great friends or great family or great career, whatever it is. It, we're, we're blessed, and sometimes it's not that obvious for us to see. In fact, I'd say this, if you came in this, this morning and you can't find a blessing in your life, well, breathe in, like exhale, inhale. There's a blessing from God right there. We're blessed, but sometimes we don't always see it. It's easy to overlook what's obvious and we're blessed and we don't realize it. But a lot of times we're not chasing the blessing. What we're chasing in life is happiness. We pursue happiness. Do we not? I mean, it's kind of the founding, you know, in the founding documents of our nation, we pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we think that maybe if I get this job or this career, then that's going to make me happy. Or if I, I, I pursue this relationship, then ultimately that's going to make me happy. Or if I exit this relationship, that's not making me 
happy. Like we pursue happiness. But what I've discovered is that happiness only lasts for a moment. And then when it runs out, we, we try to find something else that's going to make us happy. And I want to propose in this series that just maybe happiness isn't the goal. But there is, in fact, something greater. And maybe this whole idea of the, the pursuit of happiness, which, by the way, I love the country that I live in. I mean, I thank God for the, the nation that we, we are in. But maybe this pursuit of happiness places something inside of me that is ultimately unattainable. It places this idea inside of me that, that uh, is even, I would go as far as to say, a waste of time and energy and a lesser pursuit of my life. Uh, that maybe God wants us to possess something instead of pursue something. And all the time we're running after and chasing after this thing called happiness when God instead wants to fill us with a thing called joy. And so over the next four weeks, that's what we're going to look at in the New Testament in a book called Philippians. If you have your Bible, open it up. And here's what I would encourage you to do. Take notes. I'm really going to play teach through this. This is going to be more of a, a teaching kind of series as we're going to take chapter by chapter and look at this book that the apostle Paul wrote to a church that he helped plant, uh, a church in a place called Philippi. Now the apostle Paul was this amazing force for the kingdom of God. Like he went all over the Mediterranean rim and he planted churches and oftentimes he would, you know, plant them and then he'd leave and he'd write back these letters to the churches that he planted. And this is one of those letters and we're going to allow the Apostle Paul to teach us how to live a joy-filled life no matter the circumstances that we face. Come on, Sensei Paul is going to teach us the art of joy jitsu. There we go. That's enough. <laughs> Why? Why do we need this? Because you and I are going to face some things in life that don't make us happy. You and I are going to face some things, and maybe you're in the middle of it right now, where you are fighting for joy, where you are grappling with and wrestling through things that don't make you happy. There's going to be seasons in your marriage, guess what, is not going to make you happy. There's going to be seasons in your relationships that don't make you happy, in your education, in your, your career. Come on, if you've lived life long enough, you know that there will come days that you are not happy, but I propose that we can possess joy no matter what we face. So that maybe we'd stop running after something and instead be filled with something that God promises that we can have, which is joy. In the book of Philippians, it's all about joy. In fact, 16 times in this small book, it's four chapters, that's it. In fact, I would encourage you or challenge you to read it. Maybe you want to read it every day during this series, but 16 times it uses the word joy or rejoice. This book was written in 52 A.D., so you should be taking notes now. I'm teaching you now. 52 AD, 52 years after the, the death uh, and resurrection of Jesus. And here's a, an interesting fact about, about the church in Philippi that he's writing to. Uh, I've told the story before of Acts 16 when Paul and Silas were in prison together. They were locked up. You know, the gates were closed and they broke out in worship, which is amazing. They started worshiping God, and because of their, their worship, the, the, the ground shook, and the chains fell off, and the prison gates opened up, not because somebody came in and broke them out, but God broke them out through their, their worship. And so the jailer runs in to this prison, and he sees the gates are open, and he sees the chains are off, and he's about to kill himself because he would be killed if all the prisoners had escaped. And Paul says, stop. 
Don't do it. Like we're all here. We haven't gone anywhere. Well, that jailer ended up coming to Christ and bringing his whole family, you know, to Christ as well, putting their, their faith in Jesus as the Messiah. And this is that church. Now, Paul is writing back to that church uh, that started in, in Philippi some 10 years later, which is awesome to think. So this was a, a 10-year-old church plant, so I can relate. We are in our 10th year here at Elevate Church. That's awesome, right? And so he's writing back to them, and he's telling them this. I need to instruct you in some things about joy. Like, I want to talk to you about something that, that you can possess on the inside that the world cannot offer you, and it's joy. And the irony of this letter about joy is that Paul is writing it once again from prison. He's writing about joy from prison. He went to Rome because that was always his dream, that I want to go to Rome and I want to preach the gospel and I want to share the good news with people there. And he became imprisoned. Now he is put on death row. And so from death row, Paul teaches us about joy. And I think that's amazing because I don't know if I was on death row, if I would be writing a letter back to my friends about joy. But this is what he says in verse three. In fact, verse one and two, he kind of introduces himself. He says, hey, this is your boy, Paul. You know, I'm writing this letter. And then he says, verse three, every time I think of you, this church that I planted, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with, what's that word? It's joy. And that's amazing to me because some of us, we stub our pinky toe and we can't pray with joy. Somebody, you know, comments negatively on a post we put it out there on Facebook about our family vacation and we lose all of our joy. But Paul here from prison, who's most likely chained to a guard, who's most likely in an underground prison awaiting to be executed at any moment, says, whenever I think about you, whenever I pray for you, this deep joy wells up from inside of me. I love it. He's like, that's the kind of joy that God wants you to have, a joy no matter the situation that you face. And I know the pushback right here is, Colby, that's a pipe dream. Because you don't know what I'm walking through. And that's true. I don't know what you're walking through. But I do know that there is a power and a strength that God can give you that allows you to walk with joy through anything that you're facing. That allows you to be that person that when people look at you and say, I know you are walking through hell, but you're doing it with a smile on your face and a peace in your heart. And I cannot comprehend that. It's because you have joy. You have this deep joy. What does he say? Verse five, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I'm certain of this, that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. He says, I've got some joy whenever I pray for you. And I've got some certainty. I have this confidence that, that God who started this work inside of your life, he's going to complete it until the day Jesus comes back. And here's, here's the deal. Happiness comes from the world. Now, real quick, that's not a bad thing. This is not a series where we hate on happy. I'm all about happy. I like, I'm a seven on the Enneagram. So if you know what that is, like I live for happy. Where's the party? Let's go. I'm ready, right? So this is not that series where we hate on happy. It's just happiness comes from the world. Joy comes from God. And there's a big difference between the two. The world can't offer you joy. 
The world can only offer you these moments of happiness, but God wants to offer us a joy that sustains us no matter what we're walking through. In fact, let me give you some differences to write down between joy and happiness. First of all, happiness is temporary and external. It's temporary. It's here for a moment. There is a shelf life to your happiness, is there not? You can be happy for a little bit, but then it runs out. And it's external in the sense that if things are good, you're happy. If things are bad, then you are not happy. And the biggest problem with, with, with happiness being temporary and external is that whenever you live that way, you surrender control of your emotions and your feelings to your circumstances. Like you allow your circumstances dictate the way that you feel and happiness can't be controlled because happiness is temporary and external. Meaning if something good happens to me today, then I'll be happy. If it doesn't, I won't be happy. So it's dependent upon how good or how bad your day is. In other words, your emotions are held hostage to whatever happens in your life. And you become the thermometer of every situation instead of the thermostat that's setting the atmosphere. But joy, on the other hand, write it down, is eternal and internal. It's eternal and internal because it comes from God and God's spirit inside of you. Meaning that because it's internal and eternal, I can walk into any situation that I'm in with joy. I don't have to walk into situations going, is this, this going to make me happy or not? Well, this conversation, if it goes good, I'll be happy. If it doesn't go good, I won't be happy. If I get that promotion, I'll be happy. If I don't get it, then I won't be happy. No, I can walk into every situation, good or bad, and say, I'm bringing the joy into this circumstance. Are you with me? Like, I'm not going to allow my circumstance dictate whether I have joy. I'm bringing joy based on what's already inside of me. I am a joy bringer. And here's the good news about that. It means that if your home right now is lacking joy, you get to decide to bring joy into your house. If your workplace is full of negative people, like you get to determine that I'm going to, I'm going to bring the joy into the workplace. They might think I'm crazy. They might hate me when it's all said and done, but I'm bringing the joy. Second Corinthians four sixteen. That's what Paul says in another letter he wrote to a church he helped plant. Therefore, we don't lose heart, though outwardly, meaning externally, we're wasting away. If that's all we're concerned about is how, you know, we're being, um, you know, what's impacting us externally, we're wasting away. Yet inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. And then he says this, for our light and momentary troubles. Come on, Paul. Like, you've been through some stuff. Like, you've been whipped You've been uh, stoned, you've been snake bit, you've been shipwrecked, right? You've, you, you've shook the snake off, you've been called a God, like you've been in prison. Paul has been through some stuff, but he says, our light and momentary troubles. I love his perspective. Our light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So here's what we do. We fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen, for what is seen is what is temporary, it doesn't last, but what is unseen is eternal. And God wants to give us something that's lasting. He wants to give us something that is eternal, this, this joy. And I don't know about you, but I want this to be a house of joy. 
I want it to be when people walk through these doors, they might not be able to put their finger on it. They might not be able to put it into words, but they're going to, they're going to have this sense that, wow, you're smiling and you're not just faking it till you make it. There is this deep joy inside of your life. Are you with me? Like we could have that kind of atmosphere where we have this joy. We have this joy from the inside. here's another thing between happiness and joy. Happiness is produced by circumstance. It's external, it's temporary, but it's also the product of our circumstance. I heard somebody put it this way, that circumstance is the circle in which you stand. Meaning that if the circle that you're standing in, if you have a you know, good circle of friends, then you're, you're happy. If you're, you're, you have a good circle you know, in your career, you know, then you're, you're happy. If, if the things that you're hoping for are, are going well, you're happy. If the, the dreams that you have are, are happening or the things you're praying for, if all that's good, then you're happy. It's dependent upon the circle in which you stand. So how you feel and your perspective is determined by circumstance, which means that everyone and everything else is in control of how you feel. And that's a bad place to be when everything is in control of your emotions and your, your feelings. But joy, on the other hand, is produced by the Holy Spirit. It's what Galatians 5 says, but the Holy Spirit does what? Produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, patience. It produces this kind of, of fruit. Now, whether or not you are living... And, and you, that fruit is evident in your, your life. That's a whole different question. We're going to talk about that. And by the way, it's not fruits of the Spirit. It's not plural. It's not like, you know, the spiritual gifts are, we don't have all the spiritual gifts. Like, he might give you this gift or that gift. Fruit does not work that way. It's not, it's one fruit. It's not like I'm going to give you patience and you gentleness and you self-control. We get the fruit of the Spirit, and this is what it looks like in our life. It looks like love. It looks like Joy. It looks like patience. It looks like faithfulness, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. You get all of these if, with the fruit of the Spirit. So that means if you've placed your faith in Jesus, then you've received the Spirit of God. He's come to live on the, the inside of you. Now, I realize that's not everybody in this room. That's not everybody watching online, that you're kind of just checking this whole you know, church thing out, faith thing out. You have questions about God. You have questions about what does it mean to, to follow Jesus. And I'm so glad that you're here. I believe that, that this is a great place for you to learn and, and be able to voice those questions that you have. But if you have said yes to Jesus, the Bible says we have the spirit of God now living inside of us. And that means you have joy. You have it. So for us to, to walk around and say, well, I'm just not a joyful person it's a lie. And it comes from a lack of understanding. You are a joy-filled person. You may have a, a, a bent towards not being joyful because of the way you were brought up or because what you came up around, but that is being changed on the inside of you by the Holy Spirit of God. Somebody here today needs to declare, I am joyful. I have joy in my life. Like That's what the Spirit produces on the inside of us. I have joy. So it's not something that you're going to have to go get. It's something that you already got. Are you with me? Yeah. You already have it. It's not like when you crossed the line of faith and said yes to Jesus, he left that part out of your life. No, you already have it. It's there. When you said yes to Jesus, you got love. You got joy. You got the supernatural joy. Now, what he did not give you is happiness. 
Didn't say he gave you happiness. You know why? Because he knew you needed something that would sustain you through things that you walked through in this life. You needed a joy. He never promised that he would deliver you out of trials. He promised to walk with you through every trial. Are you with me? Not to deliver you from it. So joy doesn't necessarily say, I like my situation. I like my circumstance. But joy does say, I'm not going to allow my circumstance to dictate how I feel because I got some joy. I got joy. I feel a little like preaching this thing. I told you I was going to teach it, but I might preach it. We're going to see. We're going to see. Here's another one. Happiness is by chance. So that means it depends on how the cards fall that day. The hand that I'm dealt that day. And if I've been dealt a good hand, then I'm going to be happy. If I, if I didn't, then I'm not. Happiness is by chance, but joy, you got to get this, is by choice. It is an intentional choice that you make every single day to say, I choose joy. No matter what I face, no matter what I walk through, I'm going to choose joy. Does that mean it's easy to do? No. But how many of you know nothing that is worth anything in life comes easy? I'm going to choose joy. Look what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. I've set before you a couple choices, life and death, blessings and curses. There's your choice. And then he says, now choose life so that you and your children may live. It goes on to say, and that you may love the Lord your God, that you would listen to his voice, that you would hold fast to, for the Lord is your life. He will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, choose this day. And you know what the great thing about God is? Is that he makes this available to us. He makes life Available. He makes blessings available, and then he gives us the, the tools to acquire that, to produce life and blessing in our life. But then he also gives us a choice. Because without a choice in a relationship, I don't really have a relationship. What I have is a hostage. And God did not want a bunch of hostages. He wanted a relationship with you. And so he gave us the ability to choose, which, by the way, he's already chosen you. Like You should know that. He chose you when he, he sent his son to die on the cross to rescue us, to save us, to, to redeem us back to him, to save us from our, our sin. He chose us, and we have to now choose him, and he makes it available to us. And when you do do that, you do choose him, you cross that line of faith, like he goes, awesome, now you're my child, and I'm going to give you these principles, these tools that if you'll follow them, they'll bless you. If you follow these, these principles, you'll have favor, you'll have open doors in your life, you'll have promotion you know, that no one else could do for you, that I can do for you. I'll give you all these principles to follow, but he says you have to, to choose. And so we have this choice. We can either follow those principles that lead to life, or we can choose not to, which lead to death. Because God says, I'm giving you a choice. I'm giving you a choice. I, I don't want a prisoner, I want a family. I want to to do life with you. And the same is true for the fruit of joy in our life, given to us by the Holy Spirit. He says, either I choose to tap into the fruit that's there when I cross the line of faith and said yes to Jesus, I have that, or I choose not to. Happiness is by chance. Joy is by choice. So how do we choose? 
That's really what I want to talk about with the, with the rest of the time that we have. How do we choose to tap into this thing that's already inside of us? And we're going to let the Apostle Paul teach us and instruct us, but also that great theologian, Daniel LaRusso, who had it in him. He just couldn't see it who had developed the muscle memory for it, he just couldn't see it. In fact, here's the, the, mess, the title to the message we're going to put up on the screen right here. You going to write that down? That is Japanese for apply wax, remove wax. There you go. Wax on, wax off. If that's too technical, here's an alternate title. It's already in you. It's already in you. We just have to figure out how do we tap into it and how do we develop a muscle memory to have joy no matter what we face. So Paul, help us out. This is what he says in verse nine. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep growing in knowledge and understanding for I want you to understand what really matters. I love this, by the way. This is my prayer for you. I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day Christ returns. May you always be filled with what? The fruit of your salvation. The fruit of it. What, what God places inside of you, his spirit inside of you, the righteous character that's produced in your life by Jesus Christ. I pray that you are filled with the fruit of your salvation. I want to show you how we tap into that, that fruit, the, the fruit of joy in our life. Let me give you three things. Write them down. And it's already in you. Number one, stop playing the victim. Oh, you thought the points were going to come in all soft and sweet. Uh-uh, this is joy jitsu. I'm going to sweep the leg, all right? You know what I'm talking about? Do you have a problem with that, Mr. Lawrence? Like another Karate Kid reference. Stop playing the victim. That's what Paul shows us in this text. Verse 12, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me, which a lot's happened to Paul, has it not? Everything that's happened to me here has helped to spread the good news, has helped to advance the gospel from prison. Instead of opening up with, hey, can somebody come break me out of jail in his letter? Like, that's what I think I would do. Hey, can somebody bake me a cake with a file in it? Come down here, get your boy out. Right, Paul could have said, hey, I met Jesus on the road to Damascus. You don't know who I am? They're gonna study about me for years and years and years. They're gonna learn, you know, how to live a godly life through me. They're gonna study me in seminary. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. I planted churches all over. Get me out. That's not what he says. But that's what most of us want. When we're faced with a, a, a trial or a hard situation, aren't we like, God, come break me out. God, come deliver me. Don't you know who I am? I serve at church. I, I tithe. I, I, lead, I lead a group. God, get me out of this mess. But Paul refused to play the victim. In fact, this is what he said. You know what? I'm in jail. I'm in jail and because I'm here, the gospel is advancing. Because I'm here, like the, the kingdom of God is, is growing. You can almost hear the joy in his, his voice. He says, don't you know, brothers and sisters, what's happened to me has really served to, to advance the mission. You think it's prison, 
but it's actually advancing the cause of Christ here on earth. How many of you know your greatest mission can come out of your greatest misery? Can be born from that. Like, has this not, can we just talk, has this not been a year? It's been garbage in a lot of ways. I'm just being honest with you. It's been tough, some of you. I mean, it's still tough in a lot of ways. Some people are still, you know, living in fear and anxiety and, and feel like, you know, there's the unknown and what's gonna happen and how's all this going to work out? I'm right there. They're with you. There are people that still feel a little bit like a prisoner in their homes. But can I tell you something? That what has happened to us, it could be that it's actually happening for us. Don't miss this. Do you know that last year, the church has grown like it never has before, globally around the world? Like, that's true. Like, more people are getting reached through online broadcasts and through the gospel going out to the far ends of the earth than ever before, than any other year. Look at the Billy Graham uh, Association website, the crew website. They will tell you it has exponentially increased the impact of the gospel in the world. What we thought was happening to us is actually happening for us. Right here. We've seen 160 Eight people cross the line of faith, say yes to Jesus, and 96 people get baptized. That's what Paul is saying. He's like, it's actually moving the mission of God forward. The church is advancing, and not just in spite of what's happening, but because of it. Because of what's happening. Paul didn't say, this has just happened to me. No, he said, this is happening for me. This is actually helping to advance God's mission. And whenever we play the victim card, we are unable to see the victories that are happening all around us. You gotta stop playing the, the victim. And yes, God can supernaturally spare you from trials and situations that you are in. That is one way that he works. But I have discovered, and you have too, that oftentimes uh, the way he does it is when something happens to me that he's actually working for me, for my benefit. God, why did you allow my boyfriend to leave me, to cheat on me? Because he was a no good joker that caused you to compromise your purity and your value. What you thought was happening to you was actually happening for you. Are you following me? When did we stop believing that God knows what's best? When did we stop believing that God has a plan and a purpose for our life, a plan to, to, to prosper us, not to harm us, to give us a future and a hope? When did we stop believing that? That God is wanting to do something in us that can only be done in us as we walk through the valleys. A lot of us are complaining, God, why me? Why me? Don't you know who I am? And God's going, I know exactly who you are because I created you. And I know that this thing that you are walking through is going to create a deeper dependence on me. It's going to create resilience and perseverance in your life had you not walked through it. So it could be the fact that what's happening to us is actually happening for us. That God wants to mature us in a specific way so that he can use us in a specific way. And he wants to use you in a specific way. You need to know that. Every single person in this room, every person watching online, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And if you choose to constantly focus on what's happening to you, you will abort the destiny that he has for you. 
He wants you to focus on, on what, is, what he's doing through this thing. We can't play the, the victim card. And so I need to tell somebody that's in a rough season right now, don't eject too soon. Don't turn in the towel too soon because it could be that God is, is doing something inside of you. He's doing something for you. Here's number two, write it down. Work what you got. Stop playing the victim and now work what you God, sometimes we believe that in order for us to have joy, that God has to deal us a new hand. When God's like, no, I want you to work the hand that you got. Sometimes in order to have joy, God's got to deliver us a, a new situation. He's like, no, no, no. I want you to work the situation that you got. And then maybe I'll change the situation, but I'll definitely change you in the process. This is what Paul says. He says, you know, as a result, everything that's happened to me, the gospel is advancing. Verse 13, for everyone here, check this out, including the whole palace guard, they know. They know that I am in chains because of Christ. And, I, and it's because of my imprisonment that most of the believers here, they're even more excited. They've gained more confidence. They are boldly speaking God's message without fear. He says, everybody knows, the whole palace guard, everybody here knows that I am in chains for Christ. Let me ask you this. How did they know? Like, how did they know that Paul was in chains for Christ? That he was, that he was a believer. How did a bunch of unbelievers who wanted nothing to do with the gospel, which put him in prison in the first place because of what he was preaching now know that he was in chains for Christ, unless he had been running his mouth. See, Paul's like, I'm going to work what I got. Like you can put me in prison Right, but I bet you could not shut him up. He's like, prison is as good a place as any for me to preach the gospel. No, I might not be preaching in the Colosseum and doing what I want to do, but you can lock me up, give me a pen and a paper, and I will reach way more people than I ever could of preaching in the Colosseum. I'll reach people for thousands of years to come because I'm going to work what I got. You think I'm just in prison, but I'm going to work it in prison. Hey, somebody shout, work what you got. You got to work what you got. If you're going to learn to tap into this joy that's already inside of you and develop a muscle memory of joy in your life, you got to work what you got, not always be chasing after something else. Now, here's what I ultimately do believe. God will give you a new situation. God will actually work things out. He promises that in his word. He says, you know, he works all things for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So he'll take those things in your life, almost like a, uh, an ingredient for, for a recipe. He will work them all, all for good in your life. But how many of you know you take one ingredient at a time and it doesn't taste so good, does it? Like my wife, she makes this unbelievable Brazilian coffee cake. It's amazing. But if she was to come up to me and hand me a spoonful of flour and say, eat this, and then a spoonful of salt, a spoonful of, of you know, butterscotch, you know, pudding, instant powder, and say, eat this, give me a cup of oil and a raw egg and eat this. And if she was to say to me, there you go, you have Brazilian coffee cake in your belly. I'd be like, you are the worst baker on the planet. What's wrong with you? But she's not. She's an amazing baker. And Brazilian coffee cake is the most amazing thing in the world. But if I took it one ingredient at a time, 
then it would be terrible. And we do the same thing with the trials in our life. If you just eat that one disappointment, and that's all you base your life on, if you eat that one tragedy, if you eat that one distraction or disruption or derailment in your, your life, that one hard situation, that one ingredient, it doesn't taste so good, does it? You gotta take a step back and you have to look at it as all that God is working together and go, I'm gonna work what I got with what I have, where I am at in this moment, because I know that God is mixing my life together. He's adding a little bit of joy. He's adding a little bit of heartache. He's adding a little bit of of victory. He's adding a little bit of doubt, but he's gonna mix it all together to work out for my good. He's mixing your life like a recipe. But if all we eat is that one thing at a time, now I gotta work what I got so I can get through this fire working what I got so I can make it through the, the next trial and fire in my life, working what I got. Paul says, put me in prison and I'll preach from prison. I'll work what I got. But if all you ever do is wait and wish for something new, you're not gonna have that joy that God wants to give you. I, I think about this. If Paul had done what he wanted to do, if Paul had preached to, in the Colosseum, if he had preached the good news to people, he would have preached to his smallest crowd. But instead, what do he say? Give me a pen and a paper. And because of that, billions of people, you know, for thousands of years are reading about joy and he's instructing us about joy. Sometimes we are chasing the smaller thing when God wants to give you the greater thing. We think it's the greater thing. But we're running after the the smaller thing. When God is a God of promotion, God is a God of favor. He's a God of blessing. He's a God of more than enough, right? He's a God of immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. But sometimes we don't receive it because we want to preach in the Colosseum and he wants you to write a letter from jail. Are you with me? He wants you to write a letter from your situation, what you're going through. You got to work, work what you got. Here's the last one I want to give you. Focus on the end game. If you're going to have joy in the middle of what we're facing, you need to focus on the end game. Verse 15, this is Paul. He says, it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with, with pure motives. They preach because they love me for they know I've been appointed to defend the good news. Those others don't have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition not sincerely intending to make my chains even more painful to me. But then he says this, but that doesn't matter. He's like, none of that matters. Like, I don't, I don't give a rip about that. Whether they're preaching with, with good motives or bad, whether they, their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached. He says, either way, I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. I was like, I don't care. I don't get caught up in that stuff. What's important is that the message of Christ is is going out. Paul was focused on the end game, was he not? And he was focused on what mattered the most. Paul had the eye of the tiger on eternity. And he was focused on it. If you're going to have joy, you and I need to focus on the end game. Here's, here's the end game, by the way. This, this right here, this is not your home. You know what else Paul tells us in another letter? He says, we are aliens and strangers 
in this place. This is not our home. And don't you feel that? Sometimes when we're so caught up in what's happening around us that this, this is not our home. This is not our destiny. So why on earth do we get so frustrated and so fixated on a place we're passing through? You want to have that joy? You want to tap into that joy that's inside of you? You got to focus on an eternal hope in an eternal home that you have you have as a follower of Jesus, if you've said yes to following Christ, you have that hope of an eternal home one day in heaven. Why on earth would you want to be filled and fulfilled in a place you are not staying very long? That's what Paul says. Whether they're doing it with good motives or bad motives, I don't care. The gospel is being preached. And I read that and I thought there are a lot of good and bad motives going on in our world today and sometimes it's hard to know the difference between the two it's hard to know which is which we get so focused on this thing or that thing or this movement or that movement or this this cause or or that cause but at the end of the day I can rejoice when I put my attention where it needs to be and I fix my focus on an eternal hope in an eternal home where there is no sadness and there's no sickness. There is no hate. There is no, no heartbreak. There's no backbiting. There is no bias. And by the way, I'm not being ignorant or naive or tone deaf to what the reality of our world is today. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying well, we just build a bubble and we just hide in it. and We don't even think about what's happening. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm putting my, my eyes on a higher prize. I'm thinking about something that's higher. If I want to tap into this joy that's available to me, that's inside of me, I can't get so caught up in that where it absolutely wrecks me. And when I fix my eyes on an eternal home, you know what it does? It gives me an even greater love for the people that God so loved. Because what it means to me is that one day we're all going to spend eternity either with God in heaven or apart from him in a place called hell. This is not going to be very popular right now. But the reality is, God did not create hell for anyone on this earth. He didn't. He created hell for Satan and his minions. And he does not send anyone to hell like we choose to go there when we choose not to have a relationship with God. And so what it does when I fix my eyes on eternity, it gives me an even greater love for people that God so loved. And I love the fact that there's no sickness in heaven, there's no disease, there's no cancer, all that is great. But can I tell you what I'm even more excited about? In heaven, there's no right and there's no left. There is no division, there is no agenda, there is no bias, there is no hatred, there is no violence, there is no evil, there is no feeling of inadequacy or brokenness or anxiety or depression. That's what I'm excited about. My eyes are fixed on the end game. The end game. I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said, if you aim at earth, you'll miss heaven. If you aim at heaven, you'll get both heaven and earth. Are you focused on the end game? This is how Paul says it. I'll give you one more verse in chapter one. Next week, chapter two. He says, for me, living 
means living for Christ. Dying's even better because I know where I'm going. The NIV says to live is Christ, to die is gain. Paul was focused on something greater. Where's your focus today? Are you willing to stop playing the victim? If you want to tap into the joy that you have, are you willing to, to work what you got? To understand what's happening to you is actually happening for you, that God's developing something inside of you through it? And can you fix your focus on the end game? Would you bow your head, close your eyes? God, I pray right now, as we study this, this incredible book, this book that is alive and active and, and changes us from the inside out, God, that we'd be convicted about the areas in our life that we need to display joy and peace and patience and love, gentleness, kindness, self-control. The evidence of the fruit of having a relationship with you. I pray that we would be joy-filled and joyful that our days would not dictate whether we are happy or not, God, but we would approach every day with the attitude that we are joy bringers to whatever situation we are in. Into our homes, God, we're bringing joy. Into our marriages, God, we're bringing joy. Into the workplace, God, we are going to bring the joy. We know that we get to set the temperature. We're not going to allow it to set us. So God, I pray that you convict us of those areas in our life that you want to change from the inside out with every head bowed, every eye closed while we're praying. For some of you, the thought of joy or peace is just a foreign concept to you in this season. The thought of love, the thought of faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, it's just, when I talk about that, it seems like that's something that's unattainable, but here's what you need to know. As you put your trust and hope in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God comes and lives inside of you and allows you to live life that way, with joy, with love. It doesn't mean every day is gonna be perfect. It just means that that's available to you. And also that you have an eternal hope and an eternal home in heaven. That God sent his son Jesus to this earth to restore us, to make us right with him. And the Bible says as we confess Jesus as Lord with our lips and we believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead, we would be saved. We'd have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, giving us joy, giving us peace and patience and all that he wants to give us, giving us gifts of the spirit. And so maybe that's why you're in this room or that's why you're watching online because that's your starting place. You wanna know that you can live life this way and you wanna know that you have an eternal security one day in heaven. I wanna lead you through a prayer that does that. If you'd say, Colby, when you pray that today, I'm praying right along with you. This is why I'm here. Would you right now just raise your hand high? No one's looking around, just hold it up high. Just say, today I need to surrender my life to Jesus. Make him the Lord of my life, awesome. Awesome, yeah, yeah, all over this room. All over this room. Online, you can click that button. You can raise your hand as well. I wanna lead you in a prayer right now. You can put your hands down. In fact, our church, we're gonna pray this with you because we're filled with joy and we're even more filled with joy right now because of the decision that you are making to cross the line of faith. The Bible tells us when one sinner comes to, to repentance that all of heaven erupts 
enjoy. And so that's what's happening right now as you pray this prayer. So church, let's pray together out loud with those around us. Jesus, today, I surrender my life. Forgive me of my sin. I confess you as Lord and as Savior. Give me your spirit. Give me joy. Give me peace. Give me freedom from my sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, church, celebrate with those today. Yeah, yeah, you made the best decision of your life. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.